Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. It's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Nermeen Jasani with the wildly successful law firm. So Nermeen, welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. Awesome. Great to be here, Alay. Thanks. So tell me about why, why it is you've chosen to focus your coaching and consulting on working with women-owned law firms. Yeah. So Alay, I'm sure you know this as well, but it's a lot to manage a family and have a full-time practice. And there are just so and clients that are very demanding and wanting to show up in court and, you know, give a hundred percent and just with your practice itself, it can feel like a lot. So a lot of what I teach and a lot of what I tell my clients is four day work week. That's where we need to be because it's just too much to try to do everything. And a lot of the clients that I talk to are one foot in their practice, one foot in the house. And when they're not at home and they're working, they feel bad that they are working. And then when they are with the family, they feel bad that they're not working. So it's really just understanding that this is such a common problem for a lot of my clients. And that's why I decided to focus on just working with them because what I teach is really geared toward and specific to female law firm owners who are living these, you know, two very dynamic lives that do need to be balanced, right? Yeah. And what is your approach to solving that challenging problem? Yeah. So it's a couple of things. So number one, you've got to have the right clients to start, right? I'm sure you talk to your clients about this too as well, eh? Like you've got to make sure that you're not just trying to you know, do every single divorce that's out there. You're being specific in who you are working with. So that is step number one. It's not about a high volume practice. It's a high quality practice, right? So you've got to make sure that your pricing is in line with that. You've got to make sure that your messaging and your branding is on point for that. All about the the quality and not the volume. The second step for that is setting up your calendar so that you're making sure that you are taking time off. That means, you know, you start Wednesday at 12 instead of nine, or you take Friday from 12 o'clock off. You know, you fit that four day work week into your life so that you have time to do the things that matter and that you can still show up and, you know, be at work and be a successful law firm owner. And what is it about owning a law firm that makes it so difficult to do those things? Because as you talk about them, they just sound, well, Simple. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's because we (laughs) have this palette to an ability to make it simple, right? For our clients. But the the reality of law is that it can be very unpredictable, especially some practice areas. If you were a litigation intense, if you're a, you know, litigation family attorney, if you're a criminal attorney, you know, all of these things require court time. And it can you can you can't really tell the judge, hey judge you know, my kids got soccer, I need to be out at four, right? The judge is pretty much going to laugh you out and be like, get out of here. You know, even if you are not appearing in front of a judge, you've still got the phases of, you know, pre-litigation. So you've got discovery and depositions, just all of these things. And just the practice of law itself is in fact something that 
doesn't have a cadence to it, right? It's not something that can be necessarily routine. Um, I think a little bit in the CPA world, we know April 15th is going to be a busy time, so they can gear up for that. That's not so much with law. It's not as anticipated. And so really helping people understand that, you know, there's a way to create your schedule, even with the uncertainty of court schedules and depositions and, you know, client meetings that show up out of nowhere and, you know, these sort of things that feel like they need to be handled immediately, you can still find some sort of routine in that. Is it going to be 100% perfect? No. Our goal is 80%, not 100%. That's right. Progress, not perfection, right? And so you uh, used to be on Wall Street. Uh, as an attorney, you had your own law firm. Uh, and now you work with uh, with women primarily who are looking to grow their firms. Tell us about that journey. Yeah. So I jokingly say that I made all the mistakes so that my clients wouldn't have to. So when I was um, practicing law on Wall Street, so I worked in-house counsel for a few years and Hurricane Sandy happened in New York. And that was just an awful time. And uh, I remember I didn't have power for about a week in my house and w- Wall Street was completely underwater. And so we couldn't even get into our building for, you know, weeks on end. So when all of this was going on, the company I was working for decided that they were going to lay off a third of the staff. And I was okay. I stayed on. I was still working there. And, you know, I just took a step back and I was like, wow, this is, this is the company I'm working for, the company that's going to lay people off when there was a major devastation that happened. And, you know, people, you know, lost homes and just, it was just an awful time. And so for me, at that point, I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe I don't need to be working here. And so I decided to start my own practice. And uh, I started my firm advising hedge funds because I had graduated in 2010 when the markets tanked and somehow ended up learning all about commodity futures and working closely with the CFTC and the NFA and ended up becoming really comfortable with those two regulatory bodies. And so I was able to take that information, that knowledge, that expertise, the relationships, start my own practice advising other hedge funds on how to essentially stay legal in the US, right? And uh, not get in trouble with the CFTC or the NFA. And so when I started that firm, I just had those relationships with those hedge funds and so was able to, you know, work with them directly. The sort of downside to that is I was milling by the hour and I did not understand truly the value that I had and how much my expertise was truly that, like just expertise in that area. And that I should have, you know, just said, my retainer is $5,000 a month. If you would like to work with me, thank you very much. Have a great day. Instead of, oh, well, I bill by the hour and here's my hourly rate. Because what happened was I had weeks where I made thousands of dollars and I had weeks where I made a couple hundred dollars. And it is so hard to have a business that is just like, you know, peak and then trough and then peak and then trough. You know, you really do want to have some consistency, but I didn't, I knew I needed it, but I didn't know how to get there. And I have the benefit of knowing now how to get there. But that I say is like one of the biggest mistakes that I made when I had my practice, right? Like I just didn't understand that I was the one 
that had the power, that I could leverage my experience and demand or charge what I felt like was appropriate in that situation. You know, the second thing that I made a big mistake with was I didn't really understand what marketing was. Like I only had a few clients that were HM clients and I did not have enough diversification. You know, I definitely could have worked with registered investment advisors and just other people in the compliance industry, but I had no idea how to, right? Like, and I didn't even know, like, maybe I should have more clients. I was like, Hey, look, I've got a few clients. I'm so happy. But you know, it really was just sort of taking the the numbers down, right? And like the science part of it, which is like, hey, if you want to, you know, make $30,000 a month and you've got, you know, three clients paying you $3,000 a month, there's a gap. So we need to close this right. gap and let's just work backwards from there, right? It's just, it's math, it's numbers. And so for me, like I had no idea how to get there. I didn't know like what marketing was. I did no marketing. I didn't have client diversification, right? Like all the things that... I talk about now, I did not have back then. And I'm like the poster child for like what not to do in your law firm. (laughs) And so you were encountering all of these things. And so what were some of the shifts that you had to make to address those issues in your firm? Yeah, I think the biggest realization was that, you know, oftentimes as lawyers, we think that I don't think that we necessarily value the service that we provide to our clients, right? Like, I think that had to be the biggest shift was, you know what, what I do, there's only a handful of people who can do this. And as such, I can charge a little bit more. Instead, I had the, and LA, you probably experienced this with a lot of the new law firm owners, which is I'm a new law firm owner. I can't charge that much, right? Like I can't charge $500 an hour. I can't tell a hedge fund, pay me $5,000. Here's my retainer. Instead, we're like, you know what? I'll I'll charge you, I'll pay, uh, you know, $200. How's that sound? Does that sound good? You know, and then we end up negotiating against ourselves, right? And we're like, is that too high? Maybe I can make it 150. How's 150 sound, right? And so we just end up being in this place where we're not really doing ourselves a favor and we're just hurting ourselves. So it was really just starting to value my, you know, my services and my knowledge, my skill set. Awesome. And then, so you managed to address those issues in your firm and your firm was doing well. Then what was it that made you step away from your firm and focus on coaching? Yeah. So (laughs) I actually have a kind of love-hate relationship with the law itself. Um, I am someone who is incredibly efficient and I'm always looking at, okay, how long did it take me to do this? You know, was this worth my time? Like I'm constantly looking at that. The law itself is not necessarily efficient. So if you look at a contract and the number of revisions that a contract will go through and attorneys will fight over one word, oh, this can't be shall, it must be must. And, you know, one provision in the contract that will break millions of dollars of deals, right? When I, when I would think about that and just sort of the, even the compliance process, right? Like we have these rules that nobody understands. And then someone steps out of bound when it comes to those rules. And then the the governing body comes back and says, oh, you stepped out of bounds, but no one knew because we didn't know what those rules meant. And now we've learned. And so for me, it's just like the whole thing just felt really inefficient. And just the whole process of practicing law felt really inefficient. And so I ended up loving the business side more, like just learning how to actually grow a business, learning how to charge your services and how to create your messaging. And just all of that felt more like home to me. And 
even though I was a business owner, I felt like I kept hearing a lot of my colleagues say, okay, well, Nermeen, how do I know when to hire? How do I know when to charge? Like, what do I even charge? Like, it was the same kind of questions that were coming. And I was like, you know what? I have been on this side of it. Like, I know how to figure this stuff out. What if I just started consulting and like came on the other side and, you know, I love the business side of it and I could make systems and processes to help lawyers figure out like how to actually grade your law practice and how to do all these things. And, um, that's, that's really what, what caused it was me just wanting to be more on the business side of things and help other attorneys rather than sort of hoarding this information. I think that's awesome. It's great that you discovered, you know, where your true passion lies and that wasn't the practice of law, but yet you are still able to continue to serve that community by empowering the other, you know, attorney entrepreneurs, like probably a lot of the folks that are listening here to build the law firm on their terms. Because at the end of the day, if you own your own law firm, your law firm should support your lifestyle, mm-hmm. not the other way around. <laughs> and I love that you help uh, women business owners primarily just take control of that law firm and really run it so that it serves their interests. That's wonderful. Um, one of the things you mentioned that that you're working on to be relatable to the audience is this issue of of shiny object syndrome or or chasing your own tail. It, it's so funny because I can relate to this. When I launched my coaching practice, uh, I think nine years ago or something like that, um, it was all no's. I, w- I was just getting no's from cl- you know if I would even get a client, uh, it would be a no for a prospective client, no for referrals, no for interest, just lots of no's. And I was thinking, I can't even see a path here. But then I started slowly, slowly kind of um, driving a, a little bit of a path for my business. And then something flipped mentally. And instead of seeing obstacles and barriers and issues, everything just opened up and I saw opportunities. And there were way more opportunities than I even <laughs> knew what to do with. And it was, and that continues to this day. It's just, you know, looking at all of these opportunities and business ideas. And so one of the things that <clears throat> you mentioned you're thinking through and something that I think a lot of us think through is when you're dealing with all of these ideas, how do you figure out what it is that's worth prioritizing and what needs to be put aside? Yeah. So this is such a great question because I feel like it's the beginning of the year. Everyone's got like all of this beginning of the year energy, right? Which is like, oh, well, you know, last year I didn't do this. So maybe this year I'll do this. Maybe this will be the year that I get my law firm on TikTok. Maybe this will be the year that I, you know, post regularly on Instagram. Maybe this will be the year that I start, you know, this new marketing thing, or I'll do my new website or whatever that is, right? Like there's all of this sort of didn't do it last year, but I will do it this year. And and you combine that with then you you as a law firm owner are seeing other people on these channels. You are seeing other people with 10,000 followers. You're seeing other people with, you know, likes, comments, all of this stuff. And you start to feel like, oh, maybe this is something I need, right? Like it looks so good. It's so shiny. Maybe that's something new I should go and do. And I always say that there are two things that you have to evaluate as a business owner effectively. One is how much money do you have to do this thing? And then number two is how much time is this going to take? 
And most often than not, both of those things are underestimated. You think it's going to cost less and you think it's going to take less time. And I don't just mean like the time off of your calendar. I mean like the energy time. I have worked with attorneys for so long that when it comes to just picking their logo, it will take them six months to pick a logo. And things like that just kill me because I'm just like, you are putting so much time and energy into this thing when it just needs to be, you could close your eyes and pick a logo and they all look equally great, right? Like it's not something that is going to make or break your business. And, you know, just the sort of mental bandwidth that that ends up taking, right? Like, oh, here's something else I I have to do that I haven't gotten to yet. And it's just like the running tally in your list that's constantly there. So I find that, you know, if you're getting caught up a lot in shiny you know, object syndrome, if you feel like you're chasing your tail a little bit, take a step back and just truly ask yourself, you might find that once you ask the question, do I have money for this? Or do I have the time for this? It's an immediate no. And then you know what the benefit is? You can then say, this is important enough. I will come back to it in six months. I will see how money is looking. I will see if we're able to find a babysitter or, you know, whatever the situation is that will give me some more time and I will be able to come back to this in six months. So I think that asking those two questions is a really first great place to start because those things are tangible, right? If you don't have money in your bank account, you can't afford the thing. Don't try to make it happen. It's not going to happen. Put it for later, right? So what are some of those things that that you're kind of dealing with in terms of bright, shiny objects and different initiatives for the year? Yeah. So for me personally, I am in a place where I'm trying to decide what technology I want to use in my own practice. So I'm a big proponent of technology. I have Airtable, I have Zapier, I have um, Dubsado, I have all of these systems, Calendly, right? You name it, I have it as a system. Okay. One of my biggest things is there's a new system that's out there and oh, now I want to test it out. I'm like, can it replace something else? Does it do something a little bit better, right? And so I will go into like dorky, nerdy rabbit holes on this stuff because I'll be like, does it connect? How does it connect? How does it work? You know, because I'm all about like automating things, especially because I don't think that, you know, you necessarily have to schedule all of your appointments, use a calendar link, make your life easier, right? And and it'll send all the automated reminders for you, all of that stuff. So for me, that is one of my biggest things. And I will tell you, I will subscribe to things and then I'll be like, I forgot I had that. Let me, let me go delete that because I'm not even using it. Right. So that is, that is one of my biggest things is just too much technology, too many different options for technology that make our lives easier. So I think my big goal for this year is just going to be stick to the technology I have. No new, no new, no new implementations. Love it. Love it. And clearly you enjoy that aspect of things about learning the new technology and applying it and having a system that just runs beautifully and automated. Yeah. Um, no, that's, sure. that's, that's terrific. And, you know, attorney entrepreneurs that are listening, if, if those are some of the challenges that you're dealing with, or you're juggling multiple initiatives that you want to move forward for the course of the year, one of the things that we do with our clients is we work on their one page strategic plan. And there's an aspect of that plan that we really use as a focusing tool. And it's called the vision uh, that you put together for your practice. And you can do this on your own. Um, 
we obviously guide our clients through it, but you can do it either way. Thinking about the practice you really want to build in every way, the income you want, the kind of clients you want to serve, the size of your firm, uh, what your reputation is in the community, what your schedule is, how much time you want off, right? Building some of those things and really understanding what the vision is you have for your firm, that is going to really help you figure out the initiatives that you want to go after. Because uh, you have all these initiatives, but only a few of them will actually move your firm from where it is today closer to the vision that you want to build. And if you use that as one of the criteria, in addition to budget in terms of money and time, but also how far does this propel me towards the firm that I really want? Uh, It really helps you focus in on just those things. Because anything that doesn't move you towards the firm you want, you shouldn't be doing. Right, time is your most precious asset. It's more, it can't be saved up. It's perishable. You can't get more of it. And so, uh, leveraging the time you spend in your practice towards building uh, that perfect practice for you uh, might come in handy. Does that make sense? I love that, LA. That's so important. And you know, one of the things I always say is, feel free to ditch things. You know, don't don't be afraid to to ditch things. You might need to ditch certain things just to make it all fit on your calendar. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Being ruthless with your time. (laughs) And it's okay to say no, right? Absolutely. And so Nermeen, tell me a little bit about uh, how you work with your clients. If someone's listening and they want to reach out to you, um, how do you typically engage with them? Sure. So there's two ways to work with me right now. Um, One is a 60 minute strategy session. It's short to the point, you know, we can work through something really quick. I often say that that's for the people who can't commit, right? (laughs) Um, You know, it's, it's a quick 60 minutes and, and you're in and you're out. Uh, When it comes to, you know, what I offer as, as sort of a bigger, more holistic, we're going to do everything in your practice. That's the uh, 12 month CEO club. And it is for female law firm owners only. And it's where I teach you how to think like a CEO in your practice. So we talk about the numbers that matter, your pricing. We talk about your schedule. We talk about your analytics. We talk about technology. We talk about everything that you need to know because you have to be able to think like a CEO. You've been taught how to think like a lawyer through law school, but you haven't really learned how to really run a business. And even if you are a solo law firm owner, you're still a CEO. And I think that a lot of times people have a hard time believing that. They're like, oh, but it's just me. Yeah, but you're a business owner. Like you are the CEO of that business. So it's really important for you to be able to think like a CEO, like you are a Fortune 500 CEO. And you know, the program is designed to be a year because there's a lot of accountability that's built into it. These are habits that you have to learn. You're not going to just, I'm not going to be able to show it to you once and then trust, oh yes, you're good now. You know, it's like, (laughs) we're going to have to keep building on this. So, you know, for my folks who are not committed, who want to go, you know, deep on this, that's the program that's for them. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. And we do something very similar in my program as well. And I tell my clients, look, I teach you this stuff in five minutes if I could. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's change and change takes time. It does take a year. Um, What are some of the things that you're really excited about um, as you think about the future, the next 12 to 18 months of the wildly successful law firm? Yeah. So I will tell you that 
for the next 12 to 18 months, the thing I'm most excited about is practicing what I preach. So just like I said, you know, ditching things on your calendar, that is one of the things that I am going to be working on heavily, which is really just, I don't need to offer 700 things. It can be two things and that can be that. And, you know, you can take and choose whichever one you want to be part of and just leaving it there. So really, I want to be at a 20 hour a week schedule. That is what's ideal for me. I've started working that into my calendar by taking my Fridays off. Some Fridays I do work. It's not 100%. Like I said, 80% is where we want to be. So, uh, you know, I will instead, you know, try to schedule lunches and breakfast and maybe an early happy hour, you know, with colleagues because that for me doesn't feel like work, but I will schedule it on a Friday because that forces me to then not be on my computer, you know, not try to get one more thing done before the weekend, right? Right, right. And truly just be able to walk away and just say, yeah. All right, that's it. It didn't get done. It didn't get done. And that's it. 20 hour work week. I love that about Calendly too. You can just block off the time in Calendly and people can't schedule meetings with you, which makes things really liberating. That's great. Yep. Exactly. And if people want to reach out to you and connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? I think email is still the best way to reach out to me. So it's nermeen at wrws.com. And when did you say it one more time in case uh, they didn't catch the first time? Sure. It's nermeen, N E R M I N, at wrws.com. Awesome. Nermeen, thank you so much for jumping on the show today and delivering all these great insights and tips. It was a real pleasure chatting with you. It was great chatting with you too, Leigh. Thanks. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.